Hello, and welcome to another edition of This Is My Elgin, Hometown Songs and Stories. I'm Sherry Blazier, and I need to stand up, and that's a figure of speech because I'm staying right here in my chair. I need to stand up and say these words publicly for the first time. I am an Eastsider. Actually, that wasn't as hard to say as I thought it might be. After a uh, lifetime of living on the west side of the Fox River, I just within the last couple of weeks made the big, once unthinkable move to the east side. And why should that feel so different? And yet it does. I'm a Larkin Royal, now living in the afternoon shadow of the old Elgin High School. Now, mind you, I wasn't so crazy that I moved far enough east that I wound up in Cook County. I'm still safely ensconced in Kane County, uh, with just a few minor changes to my uh, my voting districts. Uh, I'm glad that I don't have to break in a whole new motley crew of politicians. Anyway, I've been so busy trying to settle in, uh, while also keeping up with my work at Elgin Public Museum, that I missed recording an episode last week. I haven't really even had time to go for a true walk around my new neighborhood of Gifford Park. Not that I'm totally unfamiliar with this area, but I certainly don't know it as intimately as I knew my former neighborhood of Washington Heights. And with the summer heat of late and all of the torn up streets around here, it hasn't really made the prospect of taking a stroll any more inviting. But I will get out there very soon because I need to test the distance to and my walking time to such absolute life necessities as Burns Maltz at Al's Cafe. And uh, since I won't be an easy walking distance of Herb's Bakery anymore, I have to have some vice, right? And I've also been dealing with the many things we have to do to formally change our address when we move. It's a flowchart of catch-22s that finds me taking many sideways and back upward arrows as I realize, nope, I can't do that until I do this, and I can't do this until I do that. And I've realized that the uh, the bottom line truth of our existences is that life begins not with conception or birth, but with a comet account. When you go to the driver's license office in the Secretary of State building out on State Street, a birth certificate isn't enough. They want proof of your residence in the form of a utility bill sent to your new address, which in more cases than not is likely to be an electric bill. So in the eyes of the state of Illinois, you aren't who you say you are until ComEd says you are who you say you are. Talk about power. So I was uh, never so happy to get an electric bill. Yes, I'm me again. But then I found out that due to COVID, the Secretary of State's office is asking people who only need simple address changes to their driver's licenses and IDs to wait until at least August 1st and only make the change online with them for now. In a way, that's fine, because when I do go, I may as well have all my ducks in a row. The um, one item from Group A, one item from Group B, one item from Group C, whatever it is, I, to, uh, to also get my real ID at the same time, so I don't have to go back again for, I hope, years. Still, it's a, a dawning prospect to have to go to that office next month because 
I don't mind the long air-conditioned waiting room stay that gives me time to read or write a novel, but right now they have a standing line that can stretch out into the parking lot because of social distancing, and in the August heat, that's not going to be a lot of fun. Well, anyway, I know that if my mother were still around and I were talking about the Elgin DMV experience, she would recall the story of when she went to go get her first driver's license, which was in the early 1950s. She was already married, and I guess maybe about close to 30. And um, in those days, the driver's license testing facility was in the Armory Building by National Street, right by the still-thriving watch factory. And there were two road testers who worked there then, and one of them had a reputation for being more of a stickler than the other. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, just that he didn't cut anybody any slack. His name was Royden Greger, and he was a shirt-tail relative of a relative, and, and the fact that he didn't cut anybody any slack was demonstrated when um, our relative moved for just a matter of months to California and returned, and Gregor insisted she had to take her road test all over again. He was very by the book. <clears throat> and there was also the wife of one of my dad's co-workers who went to take her road test made a small mistake in her uh, nervousness, and he flunked her, reducing her to tears. So being worried and to prepare for her test, my mother practiced the very same route that both our relative and the co-worker's wife had been taken on for their road tests, and that was um, up the National Street Hill, turn right onto, I guess it would be Villa, and then right again onto Watch Street, Prove your ability to parallel park along the observatory, alongside the observatory, ending with engaging the emergency brake without being told to. And forgetting that had been the co the co-worker's wife's big mistake. She forgot to engage the emergency brake. And then down the hill to Wellington and right alongside the watch factory's east side and back to the armory. And this was a stick shift. I guess maybe they all or almost all were back then. So my mom just kept saying to herself, I hope I don't get Royden Gregor. I hope I don't get Royden Gregor in the days leading up to her test. But when she got to the armory, with Dad, of course, driving her there, she got Royden Gregor. So while Dad smoked a Chesterfield and paced the sidewalk in front of the armory, off went his wife and the notoriously tough road tester left onto National Street, smoothly up the hill, so far so good, and then he lost sight of them. Well, meanwhile, Mom couldn't really gauge how she was doing during the road test. Um, Royden Gregor would tell her to do this or do that, and then he'd jot something or make a mark on his clipboarded list, but was she passing or failing? She had no clue. And even when they pulled back up at the armory, he didn't tell her. They got out of the car, and my dad anxiously asked, Well, and Royden Gregor smiled wide, impressed, and he said, Oh, heck, she passed. She's really mastered that stick shift. And from then on, Mom would drive Dad to work and pick him up so she could buzz around town all day. And then there's another form of ID that I should change that uh, COVID closures has also affected, and that's my Gail Borden Public Library card. They just very recently reopened. 
and I think I am dreading that one most of all simply because I don't want them taking my current library card away from me. Um, maybe I'll just lie and say I lost it. That'll be our little secret, okay? See, I think that I've had this same library card for 50 years this year, and it's from the first generation of them that were issued with barcodes on the back. Um, young librarians squint when I show it to them like I must surely be confused. Not your Gal Barden library card, ma'am. But this is my Gal Barden library card, you young whippersnapper. This is what they all look like in the old days, and it still works, and we like them that way. Well, any, anyway, my, my very first library card from Gail Borden was uh, a thick orange cardboard with a metal plate in it. And it was issued to me back when the library was still in its location on Spring Street. And that building still stands. It's kind of a rental hall for catered events now. Um, it was on the what's called Open Elgin Tour a couple of years ago when people could just walk in and reminisce and I was thrilled to see that the little stairwell that led to the children's department was remarkably unchanged from way back when I checked out my last book from that location, which was my favorite kid-lit book of all time, Harriet the Spy. So my mother took me to that uh, Spring Street library when I was about four to get my first card. And in my mother's youth, the adult section had been upstairs and the kids section had been on the main floor and that had changed by the mid-1960s. The kids' section was upstairs and accessed by that staircase just on the left as you came in the front doors of the library. And I'm not sure if they made that upstairs-downstairs switch to accommodate Ackermans or if that came later, but there was a hallway that led between the upstairs children's section into Ackermans' department store so that moms could leave the kids in the library and sneak right on over to shop. Not that my own mother ever did that because she was more the Kmart and Tops type, you know, spees for special occasion gifts only. I remember my first time up those stairs into the children's section, all those books and the magic of it and the smell of it. Um, I, all non-musty books have an intoxicating fragrance to me, but the collective kids section scent of a zillion tiny sticky hands having been on the covers and pages of books, it does something special. It's hard to describe, but I'm sure many people and certainly librarians out there know what I mean. It's a deep and an almost vitamin-y fragrance. My mother had some ideas on books that I should check out that day, but all I really wanted then were books about dinosaurs. Um, apparently I was always destined to end up in a natural history museum. I have never, not once, had an overdue item in my life, by the way. A couple of times I was falsely accused, and I was as if mortally wounded until they found the missing materials and apologized to me. <laughs> Uh, we also went on a couple of field trips to the library through school, and I think it must have been, uh, I want to say the name was Edna Holland was the librarian back when, and she would gather our classes in a little fireplace room and um, read a storybook aloud. And at the beginning of the story, she would light a candle, and at the end, we were all to blow in the candle's direction to put it out. Well, just as that decade was ending in the 70s dawning, there was a new library built on Grove Avenue at the southwest corner of Kimball Street, which is not the current one, which is on the northwest corner. 
I still have a certificate from when I was in sixth grade, I think it was, that pronounced me eligible to check out books from the adult section. Yes! And along with it came a new library card, and it was white cardstock paper, but you could bring it in to be laminated, which I did. And gone was that little metal tab with the embossed numbers on it. Now there was a a high-tech new system called barcodes, which was electronically read by a big giant box of a machine on the main circulation desk. And I thought, wow, Elgin has really hit the big time with technology. And then the next thing we all knew, uh, the library started to phase out the index cards, uh, card catalog for uh, uh, in favor of a touchscreen computer system, which had kind of a green dot print on a black background. <laughs> no internet or anything like that yet. But I loved that second library. I cannot begin to count the hours that I spent there. And at first, uh, I actually wished I was a little younger because I wanted to hang out in that little, little kid's room that was just to the left as one entered. And they had this cool bubble window and a slide and a circular carpeted step-down area where someone read books aloud. I think Edna Holland might have still been there for some years before she retired. And then I discovered the microfilm, and I would sit for many hours scouring old Elgin newspapers, sometimes with uh, Mike Elft doing the same right next to me. Uh, He was, of course, working on Elgin history. I was doing mostly genealogy in those days. And by the way, 95th birthday greetings to Mike Elft this past week. He moved to Pennsylvania several years ago to be near family, but he keeps in touch with some of his old friends here. Anyway, I am willing to go do the right thing and get a brand new, updated address Gail Borden Public Library card. I just don't want them to take my old one away or change my 14-digit number because I have it memorized and that is not going to happen again. It's, you know, all I can do to think of my new address and phone number as an East Sider. It gets easier and easier to say. If you enjoy our podcast, would you please subscribe to it and check us out on Facebook. This is my Elgin, Hometown Songs and Stories. Give us a like and a follow. You can also send your comments and questions to me personally at Eslyn Blazier, that's S-L-Y-N-N-B-L-A-Z-I-E-R at gmail.com. And thank you to One Source Productions for making this happen. We close today with the song for which, or from which, this podcast is named. This is my Elgin epic. There's also a video of it on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Here weary night shift blue-collar pickup trucks cross the same tracks. Wear street suits board morning trains to Union Station. Where a few grew up restless hit the road and they never looked back. Where some learned to fly, but found their feet tied to the ground. Where some regretfully had to go wherever life's plot twist took them. But where many could never dream of leaving their hometown. 
This is my Elgin And it occurs to me that I've lived something Something epic I'm a piece of a puzzle, a thread in a quilt Begun by my grandma's in a town my grandfather's built Flashbacks of long ago still clear as back in the day Blind accordionist playing for change by storefronts downtown Men and meter maids and shoppers seem to naturally keep pace. Eight steps to the beat of each ring from the bell of St. John's. While out in my neighborhood, boys pedal swims in the streets. Fielders' gloves hung on handlebars, Ernie Banks' cards in the spokes. While we girls side over pigs and teen idols in Sixteen Magazine. Ah, the young yawn to hear this, but they'll have memories of their own. This is my Elgin. And it occurs to me that I've lived something, something epic. If only I could write it all, much more to be told than just names and dates engraved on Bluff City stones. So I cherish the past while conceding that all things must change In this pageant of ups and downs, of joy and occasional strife No star but mere extra, I was lucky to play any role In this intertwined, intricate Portrait of Midwestern life. This is my Elgin, and it occurs to me that I've lived someplace, someplace epic, from the picturesque to the mundane to the gritty, my big town. This is my Elgin